Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Mark Allward, an associate at Taylor McCaffrey, the ELA member in Manitoba, Canada. On the program, we span the globe and have received updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we are meeting up with our member firm in Ontario. Joining us on the program today are Allison Lee and Natalie Nicholson, lawyers with Sherrod Coos. We have a great topic for our listeners today and something we get a lot of questions about. And Ontario has a new law that is coming into place very soon, which is going to be a bit of a shift in the way this is dealt with. And our guests today have some experience dealing with that. On October 11th, this new law comes in and many Ontario employers will be required to have a written policy on the electronic monitoring of employees. On July 13th of this year, the Ontario Ministry of Labour, Immigration, Training and Skills Development released its chapter material on this new requirement. Our guests today will be answering a few questions that they have seen in the lead up to this legislation becoming active and sharing what employers need to know. Allison and Natalie, welcome. It is a pleasure to have you on our program. How are you both today? Well, thanks for having us, Mark. I think we're both doing pretty well. I think we'd be doing even better if some of our laws were maybe a little more straightforward sometimes, but no complaints here at least. That's great. So why don't we start with you then, Allison? Can you give us a bit of an overview of what these new electronic monitoring requirements are for employers? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's one of these things where back in April 2022, what happened is the government came up with this idea that it was going to amend the Employment Standards Act 2000, which is the employment regulation statute in Ontario. The amendment requires that employers who have 25 or more employees on January 1st of any given year are required to have a written policy on the electronic monitoring of those employees. So the policy's got to state are you monitoring your employees? And if you do, it has to describe how you're doing so, in what circumstances you're doing so, the purposes for which the information you're obtaining is going to be used by you, the date the policy was prepared, and weirdly enough, the date any changes were made to the policy. So within a specified timeframe now, every employer in Ontario who has 25 or more employees has to provide a copy of this written policy to all of its employees and all of the assignment employees who might be working for it. Thanks, Allison. That's a great overview to get us started. But I think one thing that might be useful for us is maybe if we back up a little bit. Natalie, can you give us some information on what exactly is meant by electronic monitoring? Absolutely. And thanks, Mark, for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. So electronic monitoring is not defined in the Employment Standards Act. But what we do know is that it's going to be interpreted extremely broadly. So in essence, it incorporates any form of employee monitoring that is done electronically. Again, very broad, and the government has not given us a lot of guidance yet, but some examples they have provided include the following. It could be a GPS used to track the movement of an employee's delivery vehicle. It could also be a sensor used to track how quickly an employee scans items in a retail setting could also be software that tracks an employee's behavior while working remotely, whether that be what websites they're visiting or perhaps how long they are active or inactive while working during the workday. And so are there any deadlines that employers need to be aware of as this legislation comes into effect? 
Yeah, absolutely. This year is a little bit different than we'll see in the future because the legislation is new. So for 2022, the deadline is October 11th for any employer that's required to have a written policy to have that policy in place. Next year, the deadline is going to be March 1st. So that is any employer who's got 25 or more employees in Ontario as of January 1st will be required to have a policy in place by March 1st. And that will be the deadline moving forward. If I can just interject there, Mark, one of the things we notice is that's a lot of dates to remember for any given employer. So if you're listening to this and thinking, oh, goodness, I'm not going to remember any of that, there is on our website for free a very handy just sort of guide. You can also Google for the Ministry of Labor's website about this, and it relists all those dates because no one I know is remembering that entire list at this point in time. That's fair. And that's very helpful to have somewhere that they're laid out nicely for employers because otherwise it's just a lot to remember. So Allison, when we were talking and you gave the initial kind of overview of this, you said 25 employees was the key number. So who counts when you're talking about those 25 employees? That's the great debate, right? Technically, it's all of your employees in Ontario. So that means your full-time employees, your part-time employees, your casual relief employees. And just in case you were wondering, every part-time employee counts as one employee. Sometimes you get some clients who think, well, you know, I've got two part-time employees doing the work of one full-time. Do they count as one employee or two? And the answer is each part-time or casual relief employee counts as one employee. Now, it also includes your fixed-term employees, your employees who are on leave of absence and haven't been in the workplace for six months still count, people who are working at home, so homeworkers too, probationary employees, and if you're an officer of the corporation who performs work or services for wages, you also count as an employee for the purposes of counting that 25 number. The people who don't count are assignment employees. So if you're using a temporary help agency, you don't have to count those assignment employees as your employees for the 25. The other thing to remember that's a little difficult is that you have to include all of your Ontario locations. So if you have three locations, one warehouse, one storefront, let's say, you have to count all of those employees. The other slightly baffling thing is this thing in Ontario where we deal with what's called related employers. And again, we haven't had this amendment for a large period of time. We don't really know what's going to happen with it. But we suspect that if you would otherwise be counted as a related employer under the Employment Standards Act, you probably have to count all of those employees from both related employers towards the 25. Really long story short, better safe than sorry. You think you might have 25 employees. You're probably just better off putting in line a policy. I think that aspect is really interesting here. And so it wouldn't allow employers to say incorporate a second corporation, have employees under that business, but essentially run under the same management and therefore be able to sidestep this legislation. Yeah, that would be the purpose. We see that a lot in most Employment Standards Act and regulations. That's how they've dealt with it previously. You know, if I've opened up corporate A and try to open corporate B for my my new store, the ministry doesn't like that. So I think we can just assume they're going to do the same for electronic monitoring. And Allison, I just wanted to double check here, but you had mentioned in the overview about January 1st. So I just want to confirm what happens if the number of employees that you have changes over the course of a calendar year. So the good thing is that the count date is always January 1st. 
So if you know you're not hitting 25 employees as of January 1st, then you hit that number later in the year, it doesn't really matter. It's by January 1st of the next year that you really have to count again. And so we realize it can be fairly confusing, but January 1st is the key date for assessing whether or not you hit that level of employees and therefore need to be abiding by the amendment. And I have one more follow-up based on that with respect to independent contractors. So I know that obviously independent contractors are a topic of hot debate, but would an independent contractor count as an employee for the purposes of this or would they be excluded? Now you've hit the million dollar question. And I think realistically in Ontario, the question you have to ask first is, is your independent contractor actually an independent contractor? Well, that seems to be the question, not just in Ontario, but everywhere. Everywhere, right? So if it quacks like a duck and it walks like a duck, it's probably an employee, okay? Not an independent contractor. And so on that sense, do your independent contractors count? No. But should you maybe be considering strongly getting some legal advice about whether or not your independent contractor is actually an independent contractor? Probably. And as we said earlier, probably better safe than sorry. If you've got 25 or more people, maybe just put a policy together. It's, you know, it's not a huge burden. And on that note, we'll talk a little bit more about what this requirement you have a policy does and doesn't do in terms of imposing obligations on employers and creating new rights. And what will come out there is there's really not an incentive to avoid having a policy. So when in doubt, it's prudent to implement one. I think that's really practical advice. So Natalie, when we're talking about an electronic monitoring policy, does this have to apply to all of the employees or does it only apply to some in certain situations? Yes, it's going to need to apply to all employees in Ontario. That's going to include management, executives, and even shareholders if they're considered to be employees within the meaning of the Employment Standards Act. But that doesn't mean that an employer has to have the same policy for all of its employees. It may make sense to have two different policies, one that applies, for example, to frontline employees, perhaps another that applies to office staff employees. If the ways in which an employer is electronically monitoring those employees differs, and it makes sense to set it out separately. Alternatively, there could be a single policy in which you set out the differences between those employee groups. But the takeaway there is all employees are going to be subject to that policy, but not necessarily in the same way. I have a feeling this is going to create some confusion and some potentially some adversity in the workplace as people may not like that they're being monitored in a different way than some of their colleagues. But I suppose we'll see how that plays out. Allison, do we have any new rights for employees that are stemming out of these policies? So I find it quite funny, Mark, that you just said, you know, there's going to be some employees who are up in arms about this. And this is part of the reason why. Because no, there's absolutely no rights for employees that come out of this. All there is, is the fact that you have the ability to know whether or not your employer is monitoring you. Then, as we said earlier, why they're doing so and how they're doing so. So there's no new privacy rights. There's no right not to be monitored. There's no sort of rights about when you're going to be monitored. And it doesn't even change how the employer can even use the data. So all it really does is create some transparency for employees, but the employer can go ahead and do what it wants and it can go ahead and monitor you. It just has to tell you. And so I know there's, there's some misunderstandings, I think, around that for most of Ontario and no. 
no new rights for employees out of this amendment. So I have to ask then, what's the point if it doesn't create a new right? That is the the million dollar question. And I know employers love having to implement new policies, but this really is all about transparency, as Allison said. Again, there's no restrictions on what an employer can or cannot monitor that are imposed through this requirement to have a policy, but it's just making sure an employee is aware of how, when, and for what purposes they are being monitored. For employers on Ontario's experience, this it's is very similar to the disconnecting from work legislation that we saw earlier this year as well, where an employer is required to have a policy that essentially sparks the conversation around a particular topic without creating any new rights or obligations beyond the requirement to have a policy. And so what do you anticipate being some of the major issues that are arising for employers out of the implementation of these electronic monitoring policies? I think we've foreshadowed a couple of them already, Mark, but one of the big ones, of course, is what are employees going to do with this, right? You're going to get employees who, as we've said a couple of times already, are upset because they're being monitored or they're you know, not being monitored and somebody else's or they're being monitored and somebody else's or what the employer is even doing with that type of information. And I suspect that a lot of employees are going to assume they have certain rights, which we've already established, unfortunately, you know, there's no change under the amendment, or they're going to protest against the monitoring. Now, what can an employee actually do about that is a different thing, right? Because with the Employment Standards Act, if there's a violation of it, the employee can bring a complaint to the ministry. And that would be investigated by an employment standards officer. But really, the only violations of the Employment Standards Act possible regarding this particular amendment is if the employer fails to put a policy in place at all, or they failed to provide it within the required timeframe to employees. And I think we all know those are probably not the two things most employees are going to want to complain about. You know, the employee probably doesn't really care whether they got the paper on the right date or one day later. Now, what the employee, of course, is going to complain about and care about is why are they being monitored? How are they being monitored? Should they be monitored at all? Any other real complaint about that sort of thing can't go to an employment standards officer, though I think the entire bar is bracing for employees to try because obviously it makes some sense, right? They'll think, hey, I want to complain about this policy, I'll complain to the ministry. Now, even with that, though, the other aspect of this sort of employee complaint problem is that there can still be other issues arising out of the policy, and this is what employers really need to keep their eye on. Even if you provide your policy on the right date, there could be a lot of issues arising out of it. Is an employee going to complain they've been harassed because now they're being monitored? Are they going to claim that they've been constructively dismissed? Are they going to claim they're being discriminated against because I'm being monitored and Natalie isn't? So there's a lot of possible legal issues that could come out of this. And I think employers really need to brace for that and also really need to prepare to communicate to their employees effectively. Why are we doing this and what does this mean? So the second issue I would say we might see coming out of this is employers simply failing to track the right deadlines and getting the policy into place. You know, this is particularly true for small employers who might not be keeping an eye on that magical creeping 25 deadline as it comes closer and closer. 
And the last thing you really want as an employer is to have the Ministry of Labor show up on your doorstep and you know slap you across the wrist because you forgot to implement a policy that just says, we don't monitor our employees. No one wants to be that person, but we suspect we might see some issues coming out of that again, just because employers forget. I think a couple thoughts that I had as you were walking through that, Allison, were first and foremost that for our employer clients who are unionized, I imagine that this is going to be a substantial topic in collective bargaining in Ontario over the next couple of years as collective agreements come up and have to be renegotiated. I can only imagine unions attempting to place limits through bargaining on the amount of electronic monitoring that can be subject to their members. I, I see that as being a very important thing for employers to be aware of and be ready for in their next rounds of collective bargaining. And then also, when you talked about the harassment and discrimination issues and how those may come into effect, I think we've seen a significant shift, not just during the pandemic, but over the past number of years about employers becoming more and more conscious of what people are doing and what people are saying and how that plays into account. And there's been a significant backlash from employees about you know what really impacts their employment. And so I think this may have some level of impact on you know what is disciplinable conduct and what is not. And we may see some questions over that coming forward in the near future as employers may discover stuff that employees are doing that maybe they ought not to be doing. Can employers act on that? And obviously we have rules and laws on when they can and cannot act on it, but I think we may see that come to the forefront a little bit more. I wouldn't disagree, Mark. The interesting thing is you raised, you know, unionized employees versus non-unionized. And I think the one saving grace is that a lot of unionized employers have already been dealing with this to a certain extent previously, right? If you're working in manufacturing, you've already been dealing with the union about how do we monitor efficiency, for example, with our employees and so on. But I think your second comment really hit the nail on the head where there's suddenly a whole new world. It's the monitoring of all those work from home employees. Now, if you've got a keystroke monitor in there, or you're making people dock at their time when previously didn't happen, there's sort of this whole new group who never had to be monitored before. And now everyone wants to monitor. And I think we're going to see a lot of problems and litigation, unfortunately, arising out of that. This is a great opportunity for an employer to think critically about all of the ways they are electronically monitoring employees today. It's possible they've introduced different measures over time, but have never really done an inventory of all of the ways an employee is being monitored. And now that they're forced in developing this policy to explain what the purpose of that monitoring is and how it may be used, it's an opportunity to reflect on whether they want to continue with that practice? Is there a legitimate work purpose that is worth continuing with that form of monitoring? Or maybe it's not necessary and it's something that we can remove going forward and limit the ways that an employee is being monitored to those which are really important and necessary in that work setting. So Natalie, if we're going to wrap this up, can you summarize a bit of a take home for employers out of today? An employer's first step coming out of today is to determine, first of all, whether they're required to have a policy. And again, the relevant date is January 1st. And the question is, did they have 25 or more employees on that date? If the answer is yes, an employee is going to take steps to develop that written policy. 
The first step is identifying whether the employer engages in any form of electronic monitoring at all. If the answer to that question is no, the policy simply needs to state that. If the answer is yes, they do engage in any form of electronic monitoring, they need to describe how and in what circumstances that monitoring occurs and set out the purposes for which that information is obtained and how it may be used. Once you've got the substance of the policy, you need to make sure it's in place by October 11th this year and that you provide a copy of that policy to employees within 30 days of it being implemented on that October 11th deadline. The last thing an employer needs to make sure is that they're retaining a copy of that policy for at least three years after that policy is no longer in effect or after any changes have been made to that policy. Thanks, Natalie. Well, this has been a very interesting and extremely timely discussion about the electronic monitoring requirements coming soon. Your guidance here will no doubt be helpful to many employers throughout Ontario. Allison, Natalie, thank you very much for your time today and for coming on to Employment Matters. Thank you for having us, Mark. Thank you very much. If you would like to connect with Allison or Natalie, please click on their bios in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers from around the world by selecting Find a Lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Mark Allward. Thanks for listening.